Welcome to the latest ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. I get a chance to play geopolitics today. Uh, the question of the moment is what's going on with natural gas and Europe and Russia and why is that affecting the price at the pump and how long is this going to go on and on and on and on. So here's the short and dirty version of what's been going on in Europe. We have seen about a six to seven hundred percent increase in the price of natural gas in Europe, and this is triggering all kinds of reactions throughout the EU. The Germans are now thinking about some kind of massive aid program to help people who are struggling with trying to pay for their heating. The British are looking at what they're calling a cost-of-living catastrophe because the price of energy has jumped by as much as 50 to 60%. So why is all of this happening? Why were they suddenly caught flat-footed when it came to gas? The vast majority of the gas that the Europeans use comes from Russia, and it comes from a pipeline that's referred to as Nord Stream 1. It was built a number of years ago, and at the time that it was put together, there was a sense that this was really putting the Europeans in a vulnerable position, but it also meant that the Russians were somewhat vulnerable because the only place they could sell their gas was to Europe. What has happened in the intervening years is that the Russians have built pipelines into Asia. So if they want to, and they do, they sell gas to China and makes them a lot less dependent on the European market. Russia wants two things from the Europeans, and the Europeans don't particularly want to give the Russians what they're asking for. Number one is the Russians want authorization for Nord Stream 2. They want to build, so they've already built it actually, they just want to have it authorized and opened up another pipeline that runs parallel to Nord Stream 1. The Europeans, on the other hand, are not thrilled about being even more dependent on Russian gas, and so they have been resisting that to a degree. The Russians are now putting pressure on the Europeans by withholding gas. The second thing that they want is they want the Europeans and the United States and NATO to back off when it comes to supporting Ukraine basically let the Russians do whatever they want to with Ukraine, including invade it, occupy it, turn it into a vassal state, whatever it is that Putin has in mind. And again, this is something the Europeans don't want to do. So they have been resisting what the Russians have demanded, and the demands have been met by the Russians with a refusal to ship gas. The Europeans thought that they had some protection from this because they'd invested so heavily into wind power, but this has been the year that winds have not blown as expected in Europe, and they're only getting about 20% of the energy they thought they were going to get from wind. That has put them on the open market to buy LNG, so now we're getting to the part where it really affects the U.S., the Europeans are buying LNG, liquefied natural gas, from anybody they can get it from. And the number one source traditionally has been <clears throat> North Africa and the Middle East. Except that North Africa and the Middle East, they're in chaos. I mean, the Europeans used to buy a lot of stuff from Libya. 
No one has a clue who's in charge of Libya these days. Iran is suffering under all sorts of sanctions, and that has limited what they can ship. Iraq is a mess. Algeria is a mess. You name it, there's not a country in the Middle East or North Africa that's doing particularly well, and that's affected the shipment of natural gas. So the Europeans are getting it from us. We, on the other hand, can sell it all kinds of places, and the Europeans are just one of the customers. The Asian countries want it too. Therefore, it has been in short supply. That has driven the prices up. The prices now are so high in the United States that utilities are turning to oil again rather than natural gas because it's cheaper. Even though oil prices have gone up a little bit, there's still less than what you're going to be paying for natural gas, and there's a better market selling it than using it. So there you have it. Russian blackmail and lack of wind and an exceptionally cold winter last year, which depleted natural gas stocks. It goes on and on and on. And the end result is that you pull up to a gas station and go, what the heck's going on? How come my price per gallon has jumped to a dollar, a dollar fifty, maybe even two dollars more than it used to be? So when does this all end? <clears throat> the oil producers are still reluctant to get into heavy production because they look at this crisis as temporary. They're looking at this saying, well, we understand that there's a lot of demand right now, but it could end in a day. If the Russians decide to quit kind of holding the Europeans hostage and start shipping oil or gas, then the crisis ends. If the Europeans give in and the Germans say, fine, whatever you want, we'll build the stupid Nord Stream 2 and we don't care about Ukraine, well, the crisis ends and all of a sudden gas starts to flow. So the oil companies are looking at more permanent demand and supply. They look at more specifically the U.S. commute. The number one way that we consume fuel in the United States is commuting back and forth to work. The average commute is 30 minutes. The average commute distance is 30 miles. So you do the math. There's an hour on the road for every man, woman, and whatever that's working, and they're driving 60 miles. That's a lot of fuel. We are currently only about 40% back to our normal commute. 60% of us are still working remotely. We don't drive as much. That commute has not returned. And the oil companies are saying, well, that's what we're keyed to. As soon as we start to see people consume like they used to, then we're justified in getting more production underway. So it's a little bit of a a rock and hard place decision for the oil producers. They're like, well, we could step up production, and then if this crisis ends, <clears throat> then we're stuck with all this extra inventory. So when does it end? Good question. Uh, we're not expecting much cooperation from the Russians. Um, they have their hands full trying to decide what to do with Ukraine, and now they have a new issue because there are massive riots and protests taking place in Kazakhstan. And for those of you who don't keep up on Kazakh affairs, Kazakhstan is the largest of the Central Asian countries that used to be part of the Soviet Union. They're a major oil producer within that region. And if they start to suffer, and they have, 
because a lot of the oil workers have joined in on these protests and strikes. That creates even more problems. So, I told you this was going to be a geopolitical discussion. Aren't you glad you tuned in? Now you're worried about Germans, Russians, you're worried about wind, you're worried about Kazakhstan, and all you really wanted to do was fill your car for less money than you had to the last time you filled it. Thanks again for listening to this, and next time we speak, maybe it'll be a little more upbeat. (laughs) Thanks.